podcast of Odessa First Assembly. We're so glad that you're listening in today. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Let's jump into our series, Anchor. So we've been in Anchor. This is Anchor Part 3. Um, this morning we're focused on Anchored by His Presence. And uh, let's pray before we get started this morning. Father, we thank you for this morning, for your presence, for your work, Lord. And uh, let's ask you that uh, you would just minister today, Lord, and just to open hearts and our ears, Lord, to hear what your spirit would have to say to us. We're grateful and we're thankful in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. So let's look at that. Hebrews chapter 6. And verse 18, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, uh, we're just going to read a couple of verses this morning. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that is set Before us, this hope is strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Can you say amen? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. And this morning, that's kind of where I want to focus on into the curtain, into God's inner sanctuary, talking about the presence of the Lord. And I maybe I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been in the in the room with someone great or someone famous, maybe someone infamous. I mean, I I don't know. Um, maybe you have uh, met a hero or have her have a picture of them. And in, in our life, I, we've gotten to meet some really neat people through the years. And um, I mean, all kinds of worship teams. Um, I don't you know. You may remember. Uh, desperation band have met them planet shakers um, I got to sit in a green room with them at a at a national youth conference gotten to meet some really neat people but I've also gotten to meet some of my heroes you ever got to really meet a hero that you know maybe somebody famous um, one of there, there's a guy that I I really I like him I think he's cool is is Chuck Norris right have you uh, and I think I, we got a picture up there. That was that was quite a few years ago, but we were at a at a rally, and Chuck Norris came. And it was really interesting. Um, it was a political thing, and I really didn't want to go, but Angela wanted to go, and I was like, "Fine, whatever, we'll go." And so and so everybody's in line to meet this presidential candidate, and Chuck Norris is just standing there by himself. And I'm like, "Well, I know where I'm going." And so, I mean, I got to stand there for about 15, 20 minutes talking to Chuck Norris. It, he was so down to earth. It was so cool. And, kind of, and then, I don't know, people kind of clued in, and all of a sudden they kind of rushed over, and uh, it was pretty cool. I've gotten to uh, spend quite a bit of time. Some of you may not know who this guy was, but if you're a sports fan or, or basketball fan specifically, you've heard of Coach Knight. Coach Knight is maybe, um, uh, he's maybe more infamous than... 
than famous, but uh, one of the, he used to be the most wins in college basketball, but that's uh, me and him. We, I, uh, I got to take him turkey hunting a lot uh, before, uh, a couple of years ago, he moved back away from Lubbock, and so we'd meet my father-in-law's farm, and he loves, loves to turkey hunt, and so, and this was really a culmination of years of prayer on the part of my father-in-law, and I mean, our goal really was to, I mean, we wanted to lead Coach Knight to the Lord, and if you know anything about Coach Knight, he is very colorful in his uh, language, and so, and he wasn't no different when he was about a bunch of preachers either, but uh, we, and you know, there were times that we prayed for him, and um, it, it was neat to spend that time. But then there's other people, maybe you don't know. There's a man by the name of Tommy Barnett. Tommy Barnett used to, he, he pastored Phoenix First Assembly. And Tommy Barnett is one of those that, I mean, his, he grew up in the Assemblies of God, started off as an evangelist. Um, he pastored in Indiana, then pastored in Phoenix. One of the few people that has built like a mega church, over 10,000 people twice. He did it in Davenport, Iowa. And he did it in Phoenix, Arizona. And just, uh, uh, man, down to earth, great. man. That, that was a special moment. We were a general counsel. And it's kind of the same thing. We're waiting in line to go in the same meeting. And I kind of turn around, and he's right there. And nobody's talking to him. I mean, so I'm like, so we just start talking. It was a great time. And, and there's, I have another really a hero. He passed away this year. He was pastor of um, Harvest Christian Center. In El Paso, Pastor Eddie Lee. And Eddie Lee is just a tremendous mentor through the years and uh, a great man. And so, you know, not many may know him except for those that he impacted with his church and, and ministry, but I was one of those. And, you know, there's something, you know, it was neat, you know, being, you know, hanging out with Coach Knight is neat, you know, cool, whatever, to, to meet Chuck Norris. But when you're around somebody that, you know, that they've, well, the presence of God has marked them. I, I, I don't know if there's a better way that I can describe that or explain that, but it's like you know that they've been in the presence of God, and they carry that with them. And I, what I want to talk to you this morning is about being um, in the presence, not just of one that we respect, but I'm talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I'm talking about the, our 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 Savior, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. I want to tell you, there is nobody's presence that compares to His presence. There's nobody's presence that compares to His presence. And Scripture tells us, I mean, we read things in Scripture. Um, you know, I think about Genesis chapter 3. Uh, you know, in the cool evening breezes, the Scripture tells us, uh, the, the man and his wife talking about Adam and Eve heard the, the Lord walking through the garden and uh, his presence being there. Genesis 5.22, it talks about Enoch, Enoch walking with God. And then the Bible tells us that God took him and he was no more. God couldn't go on without him, some say. Genesis 16.13, I think about, you know, we've talked about Abraham and and Isaac and Sarah, but Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, Hagar, she was kind of ran out of Dodge uh, by, by Sarah. And in Genesis 16, 13, she has an encounter with the Lord, and she says something very important. She says, you are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. 
God sees you. He sees you right where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. Genesis 34, this is when Moses, you know, here he is. He, uh, he was getting the Ten Commandments. He was on the mountain, and he's getting the Ten Commandments. And uh, the Lord starts speaking to him that, you know, about some things that, you know, the children of Israel and Aaron, they're making this golden gaff and having this, you know, party, you know, down in the valley, whatever. And, and God's like, you know, I, and I, I know I pointed this out before, but that's when the Lord's like, you know what your people are down there doing, Moses? And Moses is like, these aren't my people. Don't blame me. These are your people. And there's an exchange that Moses and God have. But in verse 29, it talks about, you know, him coming down, carrying the stone tablets. And because of what the children of Israel were doing, the Hebrew children, the Lord said, you know, he was taking the promised land. And he told Moses, I'm not going with him. But then Moses begins to intercede. And he tells the Lord, he said, if you're not going, there's no point in us going. We want to be where you are. We want to be in your presence. And Isaiah chapter 6, one of my favorite verses is when Isaiah has this vision. It talks about the King Uzziah dying. And it starts off in verse 1. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, the train of his robe filling the temple. It's talking about the, the thresholds were, were shaking and there are these seraphs flying around him. Ezekiel 128 describes the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, as if it were a rainbow. And he goes into great detail in Ezekiel chapter 1 and 2. But I'm going to tell you today, today, the matter of fact, Jesus said when he, he, told, he told them, everybody, he said, it's better for you that I go because when I go, there's one coming after me. There's a promise from the Father coming, talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us the glory of the Lord fills all of the earth, but yet God wants to be so close, so intimate with you. He sent you the Holy Spirit, not just to be around us or on us, but to be in us. The word presence is almost from the Hebrew, uh, you know, I, it's not my first language, but, uh, you know, pene or um, uh, not anime, but paneme, uh, it, it's talking about, and it means face. Whenever it talks about the presence of God in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word specifically means face. Listen to me. The presence of God is the essence of who God is. When we experience his essence, when we experience an encounter with God, we, 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 uh, we get to encounter his character and, and who he is. Matter of fact, in John 1.18, it tells us this, no one has ever seen God but the unique one. And you notice the unique one is capitalized, who himself is God. He's near the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. It's talking about the only one who's really seen God is Jesus, but we see the perfect representation of God in Jesus, and Jesus has expressed that to us. He has revealed that to us. Why? Because God wants you to know his presence. God wants you to know him in his fullness. 
not just part. You know, when we read that scripture in Isaiah 6, and it's talking about the seraphs, you know, with, you know, two, it's talking about these, you know, two, they flew around him and flew around his face and around the throne, and they're calling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord whose glory fills all of the earth. Or even Moses, when, when he was praying that intercession prayer, Lord, we're not going unless you go with us. And then Moses asked, Lord, show us your glory. And the Lord tells him, no man can see me and live. And so the Lord places him in a cleft in a rock, which is all very significant. But he places him in the rock and then passes over him, but shows Moses his glory, his essence of who he is. God wants you to know him in his fullness. Where in the Old Testament, they only saw a part of who he was. He wants you to know, God wants you to know him. He wants you reconciled with him, right relationship with him. One thing is this, is to know is that God is omnipresent, meaning that God is everywhere. We read it, and I, or I talked about it in Isaiah 6-3. They are calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Who the whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. In Jeremiah 23, 24, can anyone hide from me in a secret place? I'm not everywhere. I, I, am I not everywhere in all the heavens and all the earth? I mean, it's, it's, it's a rhetorical question from the Lord. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? I, am I not everywhere all the heavens of the earth. Number two is this. God's presence is in you through the Holy Spirit. He is in you through the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But listen, you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. And he's talking about that outpouring, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that God is putting his spirit inside of you. I mean, how wonderful is that? You know, one of the reasons I, I you know, when um, actually my hearing is actually uh, 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 pretty rough, but uh, you know, we're really good at ignoring sometimes our, what's happening around us. You know, there's, you know, sometimes we're maybe watching TV and Angela's like, hey, Todd, would you enter the dishwasher? Did you hear me? What? You know, we, we get real good at kind of ignoring the, 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 the outward. And what's wonderful, what's wonderful about the Spirit of God being placed inside of you is that it's really hard to ignore that still small voice. It's really hard not to hear what the Lord is speaking on the inside of you. God's presence is in you through the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is this, is that, uh, and I want to talk a moment about God's manifest presence. And really that manifest means made known. God's manifest presence. You know, there, it kind of, I looked, I was just curious. I, I looked up manifest and it gave like a, an adjective um, definition and it gave a verb definition. And the adjective means this, clear 
or obvious to the eye or mind. Clear or God wants to manifest himself or himself to you where it's clear to you. His presence and who he is is clear to you. There's also a verb. It means to display, show, demonstrate. And I believe that is also accurate, that God wants to display, show, demonstrate himself to you. He wants to encounter you right where you are. As we talked about in Exodus 33, Verses 14 and 15, it tells us, the Lord replied, I, you know, so that after, after Moses interceded and said, Lord, I don't want to go any further without you. We're not going to the promised land without you. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. If only that was the cry of our heart for his presence. And I know, I know I've mentioned it before, I, you know, that um, I've talked along these lines before, and, and there is a verse, it's, and it's true. It's, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm not denying it, but you know, when, 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 Tim, when Jesus revealed himself to Timothy and shows him the scars in his hand and, the, and his pure side, and Jesus tells him, you know, blessed are the ones that don't see me and believe. And I, I get that and I understand that. But I also know this, is that God wants to encounter us in a way. He wants to encounter us right where we are personally, in our spirits, in our hearts, in our minds. But I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that also God wants to, to encounter us through the atmosphere. That's why sometimes when you come into a sanctuary or a church or that song and worship and your hair starts to stand on end and kind of those goosebumps start going up and down, I don't think that's just an emotional response. God wants to encounter you with his presence. And I've been in those services, you know, where you know the glory of the Lord just comes in and moves in, and you feel the weight of that glory, and you know that God's in the place, that God's in the house. And I would submit to you, I would challenge you, I would encourage you to hunger for the manifest presence of God. The prayer of Moses needs to be our prayer. God, show me your glory. God, show me your presence. I, I think that we can experience the presence of God where it's even tangible, so to speak, that we can feel it and touch it and, and know him. And Oh, we need a hunger for the presence of God. We need a hunger for the manifest presence of God. But encountering, number two is this, encountering the reality of God's presence is not dependent on our being in a particular circumstance or place. To have an encounter with God like that, you know, I, I, I don't know if you have, but I've, I've been in some, um, you know, it's had some really just memories that I'll never forget. Uh, some of you may remember, I, I know everybody not might recall this, but um, way in the mid-90s, there was an outpouring revival at a, in a church, a church Brownville, Brownsville Assembly of God. It was in Pensacola, Florida. And people came in from all over the world to attend the services happening there. And millions and millions of people went through that place. But here's the deal. I mean, people camped out 
the night before to get in line to get in the church the next night. I mean, can you, can you picture that? People camping out in front of the church to be able to get into the church for the service the next night. We would, when, when I went, we got in line at 5 in the morning. At 5 o'clock in the morning because we didn't want to get stuck in an overflow or somewhere else. I mean, we wanted in the sanctuary where it was all happening. And uh, 5 o'clock in the morning we would get in line. And I'm going to tell you, it was church for 14 hours until service started. I mean, you're sitting in that line and it's hot. I mean, you're in a floor and it's humid. I mean, worship services are going on. I mean, you've been in, the, been in those atmospheres of just expectancy. Uh, years ago, after I got, when I first got saved, and uh, uh, Midland First Assembly had a, a special guest in. Some of you may recall his name. He's passed away now, but R.W. Shambach. And so the, if you have never been to Midland First Assembly, it's a, it's a pretty big place. I'm not sure what they see now because of the changes, but back then they used to see about 1,200 people. We get there at 5.30, and the sanctuary was already full. Like, that was our home church, and we're on the back row in the balcony, and I mean, they had their own praise and worship service going on. I mean, it's like the atmosphere is just charged, and those are wonderful moments to experience the presence of God, but you don't have to have that equation to experience His presence. You don't have to be in that moment of those, that's not the only time that God shows Himself. That's not the only time that God moves and ministers and that we can experience his manifest presence. He'll, he'll, he will do it for you in the middle of the storm. He will do it for you in the middle of the valley. He'll do it for you in the middle of the trouble. God wants you to experience him. Come on, somebody. God wants you to experience him. Encountering the reality of God's presence is not dependent on our being in a particular circumstance or place. We tend to relate God's presence to what we are experiencing. If things are going awesome, then God is there. If things are not going awesome, then God is not there. And that is not true. I, you know, I think I, I've said this like several times this week or several sermons. Or I mean, I wish I'd have had the, the Footprints in the Sand poem with me. Remember the Footprints in the Sand? I mean, that's like, I know that's not like chapter and verse, but that poem is so accurate. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always with you. When I think about the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23, 4 even when I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, then I've, he says, even when I walk in the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and staff protect me and comfort me. In the valley, I mean, we know it more that way. In the valley, the shadow of death, you're in that place, in that valley, his presence is still with you. It may be sometimes dark, you feel like the world is closing in on you, but God is still there by his presence to be an anchor for your soul. And then, the, and then we get to um, the 25th, the 5th verse, 23, 5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, so some, 
I mean, some of us pray more, you know, David prayed sometimes, strike my enemies. Right? Has anybody prayed that prayer? You know, <laughs> Lord, just strike them. <laughs> you know, we need to be careful. But even in that place where we feel like we're surrounded by the enemies of our soul, God still anoints your head with oil and your cup overflows with blessing. Are you focused on the enemy or are you focused on the blessing? Even though I walk the valley of the shadow of stress, even though I walk the valley of shadow of uncertainty, even though I walk in the valley or the shadow of uncertainty or the shadow of diagnosis or the shadow of anxiety or the shadow of a divorce or the shadow of a mistake or the shadow of a falling short. He is there to comfort you, to surround you, to bind up your broken heart. Even though you walk through life's valleys and the shadows of the circumstance, they're going to try to block your step. The enemy is going to try to block your step. But I'm going to tell you that God will be there with his staff to bring you strength to comfort you. When you're in his presence, the presence of the enemies will not bother you when you focus on him and not them. I, one of these days, I, I keep thinking, I, I need to preach a sermon. I want to preach a sermon on this text so bad, and, when, and soon I will, but uh, as the Lord wills. But I, I love this, these few verses in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings chapter 6, even in verse 15, we read of a story. And this is Elisha, and um, I, I'm, on, I'm not taking time to give all the, the pre-story of what's going on. But in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops. There was, there was an army chasing them. There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now for the young man crying to Elisha? And Elisha responds this way in verse 16. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. For there are many more on our side than theirs. And he goes on to say in verse 17 that Elisha prayed. And what I love about this is that Elisha doesn't pray for deliverance. He doesn't, you know, he's not praying, oh God, where are you? I mean, what he prays is, oh Lord, open his eyes that he may see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I'm going to tell you, you may feel like the enemy coming in after you. You can either focus in on the enemy or know the Lord's there with you because he promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He promised he'll be with you always, even low to the end of the age. God is always there no matter the circumstance. God is always there no matter the news. God is always there even though the enemy wants to tempt you and, and deceive us that God doesn't care about us or love us. The third thing is this, is when does God respond with his presence? I believe three things. One 
is that God responds with his presence when we are hurting. When we are hurting. It was interesting. I Originally, I didn't intend to share a couple of these verses, but thinking about this, and I, I just, I, I, well, I don't believe anything is by accident, but read them by accident. It says, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but ask the question, but who can bear a crushed spirit? Who can bear a crushed spirit? Proverbs 17, a cheerful heart is good medicine. I mean, we've, we've heard that before, right? But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Proverbs 15, 13, a glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. But listen to me, God has a promise for you. If you've been in that place where you have felt defeated, crushed, hurt, damaged, whatever the case may be, the Bible says, Excuse me, in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to who? The brokenhearted. He always responds to the hurting. Who is the Lord close to? That's a promise to us. He's close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues who? Those whose spirits are crushed. And so you may be like Proverbs 15, 13, that your spirit is crushed, or, or Proverbs 18, 14, who can bear a crushed spirit? But the Bible says that he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Psalm 34, 18, I, in, in the message, I, I love how... It describes this verse. In your heart, if your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Have you ever had your breath knocked out of you? Man, it's, I mean, you, some, you think you're dying when you've had the air knocked out of you. If you're kicked in the gut, he will help you catch your breath. I love how that description. Uh, years ago, when one of our caretakers, he was an older guy. He's kind of a, a bigger guy. I'll never forget, we were hanging a vent hood in our, in our camp's cafeteria. And, uh, and so we got chains and winches and all this, getting this stuff installed. And like, he's kind of a big guy, and he's up on this ladder. And something happens, and that ladder just slipped out. It was an A-frame ladder, but just gets knocked out from under him. He hits the ground, and I mean, I'm sure the guy's dead. I mean, I'm sure. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at him. He's not breathing. I mean, I get down to, I mean, it, it, there's, there's no heartbeat and, uh, I, mean, ever, I mean, you know, you think that moment you're going to be calm, cool, and collected. Let me tell you something. We were not. You know, and I was, it was him, and I was the only adult, and the rest of them are teenagers. And so I go down, and I'm, I'm fixing to start CPR, you know. And I lean down, and I grab his nose and tilt his head back, and he throws up. He says, stop! <laughs> I said, Dennis, you weren't breathing. <laughs> he said, give me a minute, <laughs> you know. I mean, when you get the breath knocked out of you, it, uh, it hurts. It's rough. And sometimes that's exactly what life does to us. Right? Am I, is there anybody with me? Has anybody there where you just feel like life kicked the air out of you? That's not the moment you say, God, where are you? That's the moment you say, God, I know that you're here with me. 
because you promised you would always be here with me and you're going to breathe air back into my lungs. A broken-hearted person can usually f- you literally feel that pain. So many times we can be so broken-hearted, we can feel the physical pain of that brokenness, that grief, that loss, that hurtful situation, that emotional pain of our mind and body and heart. It can feel so intense. I'm going to tell you in that moment that God, he can breathe life into you. God can surround you in that moment and bring strength to you. God can bind up the broken heart. It's just not that God is close to us in a sense, like, I'm here for you, you know. I mean, we got people like that in our life. Hey, if you need anything, I'm here for you. And you're like, I need that here for me person. And I text them and they ghost you, Right? God's not like that. He's right there with you. God responds to the hurting. God also responds to the hungry. God also responds to hunger. He responds to the hurting. He responds to hunger. Psalm 84, 2 says this, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, body, and soul, I shout joyfully for the living God. And I, we're in a season where I'm using the NLT, but i got to go back to the ESV. I really love how the ESV words this verse. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing joy for the living God. Listen, and, the, and I know we can go back to the Beatitudes, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does the Bible say? They shall be filled. But I'm going to tell you something. There should, if there is a hunger inside of you to know the Lord, he's going to respond to that hunger. If you're at a place where you are not hungry for the presence of God. It is my challenge to you this morning that you would ask the Lord to create that hunger in you, to stir in you again. I love this quote from John Piper. He said this, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifestation, that's God's manifest presence, if we don't feel strong desires for the manifest presence the manifestation of the glory of God, it is not because you have drunk deeply and are satisfied. It's because we have nibbled so long at the table of the world. Our soul is stuffed with small things, and there is no room for the great. That is a powerful quote. That's a powerful statement. We need to have that desire, that hunger for the presence of the Lord. Yesterday, I um, every every so often I I get to teach at our um, our district's Bible Institute they have on Saturdays. They have it once a month, and so um, yesterday, I, uh, use the subject I usually um, contend with or deal with teach or whatever is uh, anything really about the Holy Spirit. And so yesterday was it was intro, intro, in, introduction to Pentecostal doctrine. And, uh, and so we're, t- you know, talking about, you know, just the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's about 16 people there in that classroom with me. And I, so I, and I said, you know, just curious, how, I said, how many of you, how many of you have had 
a word of knowledge, the gift of the Holy Spirit given to you. Out of those 16 people, one raised their hand. I asked, how many of you feel like you've received, received a word of knowledge or, or a prophecy? You know, I mean, that somebody through the Holy Spirit has had your address, you know, and just spoke something to you that you knew that was the Lord. And, and um, uh, again, only one raised their hand. And I mean, I, I, I started crying. I did. I was like, guys, I was like, we need to pray for a move of God and our churches. The gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given to us for our benefit. For our benefit. And so I'm going to give the same encouragement or challenge to you that I gave to them Hunger for a move of God. Begin to pray for an outpouring of His Holy Spirit. We need a wind to blow through this place. We need a fire to let down in this place and ignite us. But I can't do it on my own. It can't be just me. I said it can't be just me. It can't be just one of you. I mean, you know the you you know the, the how it works. I mean, if if you've got a fire, and um, you know maybe there's just a, a couple of logs there, and you separate out those logs, you know what's going to happen? The fire is going to go out. But there is something uh, you know you you put those logs right back on there, and that fire just immediately will just come back to life. We need each other. As we pursue the presence of God. So he responds to the hurting. He responds to the hungry. He responds to the humble. God responds to the humble. He responds with his presence to those who are humble. And the Bible says in James 4, 6, I'm sure you've heard this verse before, but it says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble he gives grace to the humble and I when I was thinking about this I, I was just really reminded of David and Bathsheba I mean you, you, I, I don't want to recount the whole story remember what happened right you know um, David's friend was off at war he sees Bathsheba taking a bath then you know the top and then having having an affair and Tries to hide it all kinds of ways and eventually gets Bathsheba's husband on the front line. They get him killed. And, and so he's like, okay, all right, I'm good. Nobody's going to find out. But then God speaks to a prophet by the name of Nathan. And so Nathan comes kind of with an with a analogy and talks to David, you know, about what would you do if this happened. And what David responds, I would do this. And Nathan's like, uh, buddy, that's you. That's you. And then David begins, he goes and what he does is he, he cries out for repentance. And did you know that that prayer of repentance is in our Bible? That we can read it? It's Psalm chapter 51. It's Psalm chapter 51. But I want to pick up in verse 7. And David prays this, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Verse 8, oh, give me back my joy again. Listen, just, just as a side note, I, you know what? You cannot 
be in a place of willful rebellion towards God and enjoy his presence. You cannot be in a place and willful sin, willful rebellion from God and enjoy his presence. But he says, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. And I want to pause right there just for a second too. You got to remember, this is back where they're still doing sacrifices and the shedding of the blood of, of all that sacrifice, all that it did was cover sin. But I want to remind you that today because of Jesus becoming the supreme sacrifice, that his blood doesn't just cover our sin, but he washes us, completely cleanses us. Don't keep looking at my sins, remove the stain of my guilt. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a loyal spirit within me. And I love that wording. A lot of the translations say renew a right spirit, but I like the NLT, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You skip down to verse 17 and it says this, the sacrifice you desire is a broken Spirit, and then here's the key you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. Listen, sometimes we need to come in the presence of the Lord. I, you know, there's sometimes I still, I, when I begin to pray, I'm like, God, what I really need right now is for you to, to search me. And I'm not, I'm not a huge, I don't, I'm not a huge believer in like committing sin that we, like, you know, I, I know people that are like, if I didn't know I sinned and I sinned, God forgive me. I, you know, I'm at, there's nothing, I guess, wrong with that. I, you know, I, I don't know. But listen, I, when I mess up, I usually know it. I, when I do something wrong, I, I usually know pretty quick. But there's still times I pray, Lord, I, if there is something I've, hidden, if there's something I've ignored, if, I, I need you to search me right now and contend with my heart because I always want to be that contrite spirit and broken heart before the Lord that he can search me, that I can stand right before him. Are you following me this morning? I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. joining us for our podcast. Again, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I hope that you are encouraged through today's message and that you'll join us again.